0: Gordon Firemark has a truly unique approach to his profession. He has been recording entertainment law updates for the past 13 years, cementing his relationship with his clients through podcasting. And of course, with Gordon being an entertainment lawyer, many of his typical clients today work in that very same business of podcasting. Gordon, they call you the podcast lawyer. What brought you to where you are now and how did you find your path?
1: Well, that's a long story that begins with me at about the age of five years old i was exposed i was in kindergarten and i went to a school that was kindergarten through 12th grade so all the way through high school and uh the high school kids were doing a theatrical production of the play oliver the musical and they brought us in to watch a rehearsal and i was mesmerized i fell in love with theater right then and there at five years old i came home afterwards and was telling my parents oh i've got a you have to take me to see plays. I want to see musicals. And so that was the the thing that got me interested in the entertainment industry very early at a very early age. I became the school sound technician when I was in middle school. We had moved across the country and, and into a new place. I was getting into a little bit of trouble. And somehow the principal of the school latched onto me and said, you're going to run the lights and sound for the school's variety show. And so I did that. And that led me into high school, becoming a, the sound technician for the school. And by the time I was 16, I was working professionally in theater as a, as a sound engineer. And that led me in the direction of college where I decided, uh, because I was never interested in being on stage and on camera until I, I became a lawyer, interestingly, but I was never interested in, in being on stage. And so it was a, a performance oriented theater program at the university of Oregon where I went. And so I switched into radio, television, and film and became uh, a television production major. And it was only that my last few months in in college that I I had a professor recommend that I take some graduate level courses in policy and management of media and those kinds of things. And I did very well in them. And she recommended then, you should think about going to law school. And that was the farthest thing from my mind at the time. (laughs) So I I, th- I thought about it. I applied a few places and just decided it wasn't right for me. So I came back to Los Angeles where I grew up to uh, work in the television business. And I was working as a producer doing sports television for about a, about a year before um, I was really starting to want to make a move into the the entertainment film side of things, just as the Writers Guild went on strike. <laughs> so that was my my cue to reapply to law school and I I did and I got in I went went to went to law school, became an attorney.
0: Wow. Yeah. And so you have of course a, a good base of, you know, sound engineering and you know yeah. the entertainment industry. How did you then become the podcast lawyer, what you are today?
1: Yeah, well, so the the first few years in my practice as most entertainment lawyers in Los Angeles I was focusing on the film and television business I did some work with music and the record business and you know rock bands and things like that I found that particular side of the business a little distasteful and And there was a lot of drugs and guns and things like that that I didn't want to have anything to do with so I went away from from music and focused on theater film and television and then I was a fan of a of this television program called uh what was it called? I've forgotten the name of the anyway it was it was a tech t v show with a guy named Leo Laporte who is one of the earliest podcasters and when he left that t v show and started his podcast, I followed him and I listened and I learned about it and Just around that same time, I was approached by a, a fellow who had a podcast about video production and he asked me to come on and answer some questions and that turned into a series of repeating appearances and then we started a show called the law and video podcast where I would answer questions every week and we did that for a while and then he sort of lost interest and went in another direction but I was hooked so I had the microphones and I had the technology set up so I thought I'll start my own podcast and I created entertainment law update and uh Actually, next month, we'll be recording our 13th year anniversary of recording Entertainment Law Update. It's a monthly roundup of legal news.
0: Wow. So your podcast is 13 years old?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Congratulations.
1: And so in the course of starting up my own podcast and paying attention to this and being an entertainment lawyer, of course, I I was interested in what are the legal aspects and ramifications of this. And I realized that there was no resource or material out there. So I wrote a book called The Podcast Blog and New Media Producers Legal Survival Guide. It's an e-book, you know, short summary of the legal issues that media creators generally should be thinking about. and And that sort of was the beginning of branding myself as the podcast lawyer. And over the years since then, that's been my focus. I try to get out and speak at the various conferences and I do a lot of online audio and video and all those kinds of things talking about this. And uh, so I've become known as the podcast lawyer. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. How, how long does it take you to be online, do be at conferences and um, responding also to people that I'm sure are contacting you like, like I did? <laughs>
1: How much time do I spend doing those kinds of things? Mm. You know, It varies. Uh, I think I spend a lot more time on those things than many lawyers do. Most lawyers are sort of head down with the nose in the books doing their their research or writing or whatever. But uh, I guess I love the sound of my own voice. (laughs) And I like to play with the technology of all of it. So I, I spend a few hours every week doing one thing or another. The podcast production for entertainment law update is actually a very streamlined process Mm -hmm. it's about an hour long show it comes out once a month i have a team of volunteers who help us identify the stories and figure out what we're going to talk about and then they write up summaries that my co-host and i read the night before we record the show and and then we record it in basically live to drive we don't do a lot of editing or post-production so once it's recorded it gets uploaded and and within you know an hour after we finished recording it's uh, my work is done Mm -hmm. i have a a virtual assistant on the team also who handles the actual publishing and writing up the show notes and those kinds of things so the total number of human hours involved is fairly significant but the total Mm -hmm. on me is not so i'd say i spend three or four hours a, a month doing that
0: doing that okay so how does the podcast help you in finding clients to do your job as a lawyer.
1: Well, part of marketing in any business, but specifically in in the professional personal brand kinds of businesses is that you have to be able to position yourself as an expert in the field. And so having a podcast about entertainment law is one of many ways that I hold myself out as an expert. I also, you know, blog about entertainment law topics and I speak at conferences, you know, all those kinds of things as well. And so the podcast just fits into my marketing plan as as one of the tools that I use. Along with video, I have a YouTube channel, those kinds of things. And mm-hmm. so how has it helped me get clients? Well, once people can see, oh, he's got all this material out there, there's a lot of content, and they can start to get a sense for who I am as a person and how knowledgeable I genuinely am. You have to, you have to be the real deal. Mm-hmm. But... You know, then they can hear me smile, hear and see me smiling, and and the way I comport myself, and that builds a, a sort of a an affinity. They, we lawyers we talk about they have to know you, they have to like you, they have to trust you, and the trust comes from you know people coming in the door, sort of having an idea about who I am, and then me living up to that when we actually talk in in person, and uh, I try to show them that I'm worthy of the trust. So that that's how clients come in the door, and it's, it's worked very nicely for me. I've been at this now for almost 30 years total. Podcast helped. It was around the same time things took off. So I I guess I'll say that's a good thing. So who is your typical client? Well, nowadays, my typical client tends to be podcasters and new media producers, folks that are doing one sort of or another. I shouldn't say just podcasters, but, but people who are in the business of podcasting. So I represent a handful of podcast networks. I represent some people who are not Podcasters themselves, but they edit to other people's shows. They do, you know, provide services to the podcasting industry, as well as creative talent in the film and television industries as well. And there's a lot of crossover between, you know, folks in in media of one kind wanting to expand into others, and so it's worked out very nicely for me.
0: I saw on your website that you also have a package, um, the Easy Legal for Podcasters. Can you tell me more about this?
1: So. One of the things I realized as I started working with podcasters is that so many of them start podcasting as a hobby and and haven't really given it much thought of being a business and certainly don't have a lot of financial resources to invest in it as a business, at least at the early days. But that's when that investment really needs to happen. And so I wanted to create a way for podcasters to get some of their business and legal affairs taken care of early without a lot of investment in paying lawyers like me to do, you know, what is, uh, I won't say it's easy, but it's fairly routine kind of work. And so I set out to create a course and a set of templates and and tools to allow podcasters to do it themselves with access to this instruction and material. They can form their own corporate or limited liability company entities and register their their brands as trademarks and learn how to protect their copyrights and make the right contracts with their team so that they own what they think they own and (laughs) and they can monetize and, and make deals with advertisers and those kinds of things and It's called Easy Legal for Podcasters.
0: Yes, fantastic. Yeah, I I, I think it's a a very good idea. And it also becomes, it is affordable to podcasters, because as you say, many start as a hobby, so don't necessarily have a budget or a business plan behind. And um, helping them making that become a business is definitely of, of interest to many.
1: Yeah, you know, some people want to trade time for money. They want to pay someone else to do things for them so they can move on to other things and focus their energies. And you know, they don't, And some people would rather spend the time because they either don't have or don't want to spend the money doing something. And so I try to provide an option for either side of that.
0: What is the part of uh, your job you enjoy most?
1: Talking with people, connecting, and uh, really just making friends. I, I really like to think I, I wouldn't represent a client who I wouldn't have as a friend. And um, fortunately, being my own boss without a big law firm behind me and and those other things i 'm able to do that, and of course, there 's a trade off but uh, I'm, i wouldn 't have it any other way i love I love being with people and, and helping them solve their problems that 's the trade off i'm sorry what's the trade off Yes well, the trade off is I probably don't make as much money as I could if I was working in a large law firm that had its own marketing apparatus, and i wouldn't be spending as much time doing the media and the fun kinds of things that I do so you know it's a constant give and take but yeah on balance I think I've I've got the life I want for myself and I'm very grateful
0: What is the most challenging aspect of your job
1: Uh you know there's a joke among lawyers that saying practicing law would be so much fun if it wasn't for the clients, the opposing counsel, and the judges. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's sort of the, the flip side of it is that dealing with people is sometimes a challenge. Dealing with sticky legal situations or, or really just, it's more often it's the personalities of the people behind the situations that are, that are challenging. Because people get these ideas in their heads about how it should be. And they're not open to compromise and, and flexibility where I think it's important. Sometimes you have to be rigid about what you need out of a deal or something like that, but people, not everybody comes to a situation with a win-win attitude, and so those kinds of interactions are hard.
0: You went to law school, so between studying at law school and then the practice you you did, what is the balance, and do you find that it was important what you studied and what you learned Mm -hmm. at school? At university, uh, would you say w- who you are today as a lawyer is the result of what you've done after university?
1: I think who I am today is is a result of you know who I was before and through all of my life. But the experience in college studying radio, television, and film has, of course, pointed me in the direction that I've gone in entertainment and media law, and the law school experience what they teach in law school, at least in American law schools, I can't speak to other places in the world, but is a way of thinking, a way of breaking down and analyzing situations, sets of facts in light of the rules that society sort of lives by and and looking for... You know, well, some people call them the loopholes, the, the exceptions or the variations and things like that. And and once you learn to look at things and think that way, I, I think that's something that's very hard to unlearn and let go of. <laughs> and so that has certainly colored my approach to life. But, you know, along the way, I've also had to learn when to let go of things and when to just be a good person. And, and uh, you know, for me, it's all about helping and service. And if I can do that, I'm I'm happy, and I think my clients are well served.
0: I can see that, and I'm I'm also happy that you've uh, accepted to to um, help me with my podcast. So it's, I can see that this is a really special mm-hmm. gift that you have and and talent, and what brings you most joy. Now, what would you say uh, is the set of skills that you require in order to be a lawyer?
1: Entertainment lawyer. (laughs) Well, to be any lawyer, really, I think that one has to have a a a mind that is both logical and analytical um, as a a place to start. So you know that kid at the dinner table who's always finding the exception to the rule, or you know those kinds of things. But some of that can be learned or taught in school. The hard skills that we get in school are how to do research and how to write a you know cogent argument and present a, a case to a court or a or another side and how to draft contracts. Those are hard skills. The soft skills are really the interpersonal stuff that I was just talking about and and sort of being able to see the bigger picture, the forest for the trees, and thinking a few steps ahead about what will it mean for the client. If things go this way or that way and sort of you know a lot of what I do is really spent Advising and guiding my clients decision making about things, you know, once they've decided what to do. I help them do it But first it's really Trying to decide is it worth it to go down this path? What's it going to mean to me now, but also in the future? so many times legal disputes and legal issues are big long-term headaches for people, even if you win the the case, and I don't do lawsuits, I'm not a litigation attorney, but even if you go down that path, you win the case, but at what cost? You know, five years of your life spent worrying and haggling and arguing about this stuff. And sometimes the the other path is better and you let things go or you work out a deal and and, and those kinds of things. So a lot of it is is just sort of that Understanding the nuance behind things and and how people operate, people skills, I guess you could call it.
0: Do you have a fun anecdote about your profession and, of course, uh, what you have lived as a lawyer?
1: You know, it's hard to come up with fun anecdotes about lawyering.
0: <laughs> <laughs> fun and but, lawyer, maybe not.
1: You know, but as a podcast, it's interesting. As a podcaster. Because I'm a podcaster, I do occasionally get sort of noticed, recognized, I don't consider myself famous, but I'm a little Mm -hmm. internet famous in the podcasting space. And so every once in a while, I'll be out somewhere that hasn't happened in a year because we've been quarantined with COVID, but I'll be out somewhere for dinner or talking or something and someone will come over and tap me on the shoulder. Are you Gordon Firemark? Are you the guy that has that podcast? And even some people even come, are you the podcast lawyer? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> just from hearing my voice from across a restaurant or, or whatever. And I, I consider myself blessed to just have this particular voice that I <laughs> that I was born with, <laughs> born <laughs> into. So those kinds of things are, are fun for me. And
0: uh, yeah. Yeah. And what would you suggest to someone who would like to, let's say, become an entertainment lawyer, mm-hmm. but would like to be a bit, more regional and maybe go through a different path than the standard path of a lawyer?
1: Well, I think that's sort of what I did. I mean, I I, I went out on my own as a lawyer within about a year after I finished law school. I didn't follow the, the ordinary path of working in a law firm for a number of years and building up a client base and then becoming a partner and all those kinds of things because I knew I wanted to sort of be my own person. For someone who's thinking about becoming a lawyer, first of all, I would say think really hard about whether it's the right thing. uh, One of the things is there's a study here in the US that about 70% of the lawyers who were questioned in this survey, when asked if they would choose to become a lawyer, again, knowing what they now know about it, said no. So Seven out of 10 said no. And I think and I probably count myself among them. I think if I had known what it was going to be like for the first, you know, twenty of the last thirty years, I might have chosen a, a different path. But it, it's very hard work. It's often thankless work. A lot of stress. You take we take on our clients' causes as our own, and uh, you know, and, and the business of lawyering is is. Uh, Sometimes not as pleasant as it would be. So I would say, first off, think about weather. But if, you've, if you're committed, if it's really who you have to be, what you have to do, then go get the education. Uh, but don't neglect the study of the industry in which you want to work. Entertainment law is very hard to break into the field. And uh, you really have to know the industry and the people in the industry because those connections will be the relationship for your first job, second job, and so on, but also for where clients come from. Yeah, Knowing, knowing that it, it's, it's a long path and be prepared for some heartache along the way.
0: Who was your first client as entertainment lawyer?
1: My first client as an entertainment lawyer was my best friend who ha- is a musician and he had been working on a job and not gotten paid. And so he came to me and said, what do I do? And I said, let me make a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> And we got him paid pretty quickly, and that was uh, that was my first. And he he remains a client to this day. Every once in a while, we've got stuff that comes up. My first friend that I, the first client that I never knew before I was a lawyer, was a small theater company here in Los Angeles that uh, was starting up and was looking for somebody who understood the theater business, and uh, that came to me with a referral from a friend. They'd they'd gone to a larger law firm where uh, the lawyer they were introduced to said we don't really do much in the theater it's mostly film and tv and they said well do you know somebody who does and this person i'd gone to law school with said well gordon was into theater i bet you he does and one thing led to another and that was my first theater client
0: (laughs) wonderful i think i am (laughs) through with my questions and uh, it was very very interesting and uh, i think you can inspire quite a few people, maybe I may have another question while we're talking about podcasting, what would you suggest to someone who wants to start a podcast? Um, where should they start?
1: You know, starting a podcast, isn't something that's hard to do and it shouldn't feel hard to do. So my, my first advice is just get started, do a little research, take a course. If you need to take a course to learn the technology side of it and start recording episodes, first of all, you can record it and never publish it. If you just don't like it. Just consider it a rehearsal, a dry run and do the next one, you know, keep, keep doing it until you get it right. But also, don't be afraid to put something out there that isn't perfect. Perfection is the, uh, the enemy of the good because we, you know, you never really achieve perfection. So get used to the idea that there will be imperfections and just start putting it out there. You'll learn, you'll grow and your audience will grow along with you. The other great thing about podcasting is your audience will start out small. Unless you've got a follower base of millions of people, you're not going to have millions of listeners for your first few episodes, maybe for any episodes ever. But the listeners that come in a few episodes later or a few years later, they will never hear those early, well they may go back and listen, but most of them won't hear those early episodes and so they won't judge you. So be willing to take the the risk and make the mistakes while the audience is small and uh, just stick with it it's like anything you 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 get better at as you do it more and you learn as you go
0: great thank you so much Gordon. it was really really nice and it's uh, been
1: a real pleasure thanks for having me laura
0: (laughs) and i wish you all the best and hopefully maybe like you said, since uh, uh, you don't listen to all the podcasts, maybe a year or two from now we'll have to do another one. <laughs> that would be wonderful. And then hopefully I will have uh, a few dozens of uh, episodes and uh, I will interview you again. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you want to find your path, if you want to combine that success with happiness, you can never be too creative nor think too much outside the box. Gordon is a perfect example of this inventive spirit. Do you have an interesting story to tell? Contact us at jobtalespodcast at gmail.com. Bye for now.